And so, like, in the previous weeks, we've looked at it, and Paul spends the first part of the letter being very friendly. Because have any of y'all ever had to break bad news to someone or talk to someone about something they're not doing right? Like, he, he butters them up. Because, because a spoonful of sugar, right, helps the medicine go down. And Paul opens with a lot of sugar and a lot of butter, which is wonderful. Um, and, and so, like, he's opened with all of this, and now he's sort of shifted gears. He, he does this, this is who Jesus is moment. And there's about half a chapter on Jesus is, you know, is deity. He is God, right? And he's this, and he's that. And this is how he saves us, um, like, with his death on the cross. Like, like, these are the things that are true about Jesus. And then he says, you know, in the previous couple of verses, he says, look, don't let anyone sway you with arguments. If somebody is really clever and they start to talk to you in the right way, don't let them steer you wrong, right? Just because they sound good doesn't mean they're right. Um, stick with what you've got. And that's actually where Paul opens. And so, like, up until this point, he's really been soft soap in it, and he's really been very gentle. And he says, as we shift, he, he starts, this is sort of the meat of the argument, Okay. Um, and he starts with, this is uh, Colossians 2, 6-7. There are Bibles in the pews if you want to follow along on the book. If you want, you can follow along on the screen. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Um, so Paul, all of this stuff, and then therefore, because these things are true, right, you need, to, you need to stick with it, right? Specifically, um, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, the way he phrases this, now, Paul was a rabbi before, right? He was, he was a Pharisee. He was a Bible scholar. This is a guy who knew just about anything, everything. And the phrase, received Christ, would normally be received the tradition, right? Like, it's actually a very well-worn Jewish phrase. And the tradition you would receive, like, there was this belief that you had the Old Testament, and then they believe that Moses, this is Moses like 5,000 years ago, Moses, um, sat down and explained a bunch of things word of mouth. And that word of mouth stuff got handed on and handed on and handed on and handed on. And so the Jews had, had something called tradition, right? Tradition! I'm sorry, that was my <laughs> fiddler on the rough joke for the morning. I, I wrote it in the sermon. I had to say it. It's the only thing from the old sermon that... anyway. Um, so they have this tradition, and this is the way we do things. And actually, churches do this, right? I, I've been to churches where we have an organ, and if that organ isn't in front of the room, I'm leaving, right? No offense to anybody who, who you know, like, but, but that organ, I'm sure Moses played it. And it's going to be in the, you know. And it, it, we begin to cling tr to traditions, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Sometimes traditions are very healthy, and they're very good, and they unify, and they create, but... Um, sometimes traditions draw us away from what God wants from us, right? Like sometimes the way we've always done it becomes a problem. Um, in the case of, of Paul here, what he says, he doesn't say you've received a tradition. He says you received Christ Jesus. Now, the tradition that Christians receive is actually Jesus. Like so instead of these are the like additional rules we're giving you because we've always done it this way, this is how you follow God, here are our rules. He's saying what you've received is actually God. So if you're going to, like, follow God based on something, like, follow God based on God. Everybody with me? Like, if I could give you a list of 100 rules on how to follow Jesus right, um, you could probably memorize them and do pretty good, right? 
based on the rules. Nobody's going to do them perfect. I mean, that's just a reality. We're not perfect. Anybody here perfect? Because you may be in the wrong church. Um, <laughs> no offense. Um, no, it was offense intended. Um, the <laughs> I'm, I got a face palm, I think. Um, the, the, um, so he's saying, listen, these rules, the rules aren't the important thing. Ultimately, knowing Jesus is the deal. What God is doing is, when God shows up as Jesus, he shows up as Jesus so we can personally know him, right? So we can have this relationship with God. Um, and so as we look at this, he says, look, you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. He's saying, every day you live your life, live your life walking in that relationship, in Jesus. Um, in that intimate connection we have with Jesus that, that we're given. And they were given it by Paul, who was given it by the disciples and Jesus himself, Right? Like, like this relationship is given to us. And so Paul starts, he doesn't say, hey, all of this teaching you're getting is, is garbage. Um, he's saying, walk in what you know is true. And what you know is true is Jesus. Um, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, meaning you know what's true, you're educated in what's true, you have a basic understanding of what's true, you've started to grow up in your faith and become mature in your faith, um, and, and now that this is established, stick with it, right? Um, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude, meaning they received instruction on this stuff, and they were happy to get it because they were set free in Jesus, right? It's easy to get one set of teaching and then get lost, right? I, I, uh, I sometimes, just I talked about directions last week or two weeks ago. Um, we'll go driving. If I get directions, there's a good chance I'm still going to get lost, Right? What gets me lost when I stop following the directions? Um, and what had happened in Col the Colossae, um, in this church, is they had gotten a set of teachings about Jesus. This is what it means. And they had sort of wandered because they started hearing stuff that sounded really cool. Um, what the nature of that was, like there, some of it was probably philosophy. Some of it may have been like this, this um, Jewish uh, uh, Gnostic teaching. I read a whole like essay on it. It was really... Interesting. Um, but whatever it was, like the specifics of it, it had gotten them lost. And so Paul says, listen, you know what's true. You know what's true. Stick with what you know is true. And so he says, goes on from there, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive. The word captive there in Greek is like nobody takes you as plunder, right? Be sure that nobody comes up, collects you up, and makes you a slave to something, Right? Um, and, and this is in a culture where, in a setting where, it wasn't uncommon for people to be taken away as slaves, as plunder, right? Like I, I was reading, a, or I was listening to a lecture series on um, the Roman Empire the later years, and you'd have, you'd have these battles where, like, like, the Turks would invade Byzantine, and they would, like, capture a city, and to show them they were really serious, they would take every away, everyone away and sell them off as slaves. Like that's what Paul's talking about, right? He's saying, see to it that nobody collects you up and makes you a slave. Well, how could that be? Well, first off, we're given freedom in Christ, right, which he's about to get to. He says, listen, don't give up that freedom. Don't buy into a bill of goods that makes you a slave because it doesn't make any sense. Like, the, there's no wisdom in that. Um, all right, be sure no one takes you captive, meaning nobody takes you away as plunder, through their philosophy and empty deception, according to the traditions of men, according to the elemental principles of the world. Elemental principles of the world, I've read essays and articles where they talked about this, and like it sounds really cool. What it's talking about is in the ancient world, 
Um, anybody, anybody a farmer here? <laughs> How many of y'all worry about rain a lot more than makes sense? <laughs> In the ancient world, rain was a huge deal. If you didn't get rain, you didn't get crops, and you starved, right? And a lot of ancient folks, like in the ancient world, it wasn't uncommon for folks to worship rain or to worship the sun or to worship wind and, and, or to worship gods that are associated with these things because they control them. They think, well, I just have to bribe this god into giving me rain. So I'll do sacrifices, and that'll get this god. Paul, that's what elemental um, principles is talking about. He's talking about like worship of stuff that isn't god. He's saying don't worship the creation. Don't let folks come along and trick you into worshiping stuff that isn't God. And it's easy to worship stuff that isn't God, right? Um, people worship leaders. They very often worship leaders. I, I worked in a church where, um, the first church I worked at, we split four or five times during the nine years I was there. And what would happen is someone would become very popular. They would disagree with a decision. And in keeping with the teachings of Jesus, they would say, well, fine, I'm taking my toys and leaving. It's not what Jesus taught. Um, <laughs> what they would do is they, they would suddenly say, well, what my will is is more important than anything else. And so I'm taking everybody with me. And they would say mean things and they would all hurt each other on the way out the door. Right. Those are folks who are worshiping the people who followed them were worshiping a leader. Right. And the leader was worshiping something that isn't Jesus. Why? Because Jesus like teaches repeatedly and the scriptures teach repeatedly about unity in the body. If you find things that make you want to yell at other believers, you're in trouble because you're not following something that, you know, unless it's red letter stuff. Like if we find out, I don't know, that Dwayne is sacrificing cats in his backyard, like we can yell at him. We, well, maybe not cats. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's a gray area. But like if he was <laughs> dog person. Um, <laughs> um, but, but he says, listen, th this stuff, this, this stuff that isn't God, if you're following that, if you're following anything that is less than God himself, you're, you're following the elemental principles. Everybody with me? Like, if you find yourself chasing after stuff that isn't Jesus himself, you've got a problem. Um, if you're worshiping tradition, if you're worshiping, um, you know, anything in the world, rather than Christ, uh, rather than according to Christ, for in him the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Why would I worship the rain if I can worship Jesus who made the rain. Make sense? Why would I worship a leader that's going to die one day? And the reality is there's like a 100% mortality rate right now. It's really bad. Like you are not following anyone who is going to outlive eternity physically. Though everybody's going to. Anyway, um, <laughs> you, you know, like, like I, it drives me nuts during, during political seasons. We look at these candidates who are going to save the world. And, and in reality, it's a man, right? That man is not Jesus. Um, and, and, like, when we look, what's worth living for, what's worth chasing after, Jesus is what gives us this, this big-picture thing. That's the big-picture thing to chase after, um, the big-picture thing to worship and follow. Um, so Paul starts to move into what does this mean about you? And in him you have been made complete, meaning, um, was it the, the philosopher... Uh, Blaise Pascal once wrote, um, in the heart of every man is a big, giant vacuum, a hole that only God can fill, right? And, and most folks will spend their lives trying to fill that hole with stuff that ain't God, right? 
stuff or sex or money or feelings or, um, you know, whatever it is, sometimes family. Like, like we all have this hold, but when we're reunited with God, when we're brought back into a relationship with our creator through Jesus, we're made whole again. The way we were intended to be at creation before sin screwed it all up. Um, so in him, you have been made complete. And he is head over all rule and authority, meaning um, Jesus, first off, he's in charge, right? And secondly, all rule and authority is supposed to be a duplicate of him. Um, I, have a, I have a Toyota, which I really like, okay? So um, I, I really like my Toyota, but at some point in time, there was a Toyota that was made somewhere else that was the first one, and mine is a copy of that Toyota, right? There's a prototype, and mine is a copy. Jesus is the first of all leadership. He is the like, image that all leadership should follow. And so like when he, Paul talks about the head, he's talking about, the source from which everything else comes. So like Jesus, first off, is in charge. That's why we worship him. He makes us complete, and all leadership should reflect him. If you're following a leader who fails in that, right, you're following the wrong leader. Now, here's my disclaimer. I am not Jesus. I'm trying to be like Jesus. When I screw up, I'll confess it, right? If you're following a leader who can't confess their sins, you're not following someone who's trying to be like Jesus. Everybody with me? Um, by the way, husbands, that means as leaders in your household, you confess your sins and you, you're like, this is a part of, the, part of the image. But anyway, I'm getting in the weeds here. Um, so he's the head over all rule and authority, meaning don't worship the stuff in the world. Worship Jesus because he's in charge. Don't worship the rain. Jesus controls the rain. Don't worship anything. Like Jesus is what we worship. And in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Um, in the Old Testament, men were circumcised as a symbol of them being taken and set apart from all other men. Okay? So like Jewish men, like one of the things that was a big deal about Jewish men, God would say to them over and over again, it's kind of gross, I know. Um, like Jewish men, like they, God would say to them, look, you're set apart. You're a holy people. And part of the symbolism of circumcision is you're set apart. You're not like other men. We don't do that anymore. Why? Because... Like, circumcision isn't going to change you, right? Like, you take a guy who's, you know, like, like evil and horrible and wicked and destroying everybody near them, and you circumcise him, he's still going to be horrible, evil, and destroying everybody near him. He's just going to walk funny for a few days. Like, the, I can't believe I just said that. I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> um, but he says, listen, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What that means is, in Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, God has taken you and separated you from the sinful part of you, right? Everybody has sin in them. Um, there was a time when I, I had sin that was just like running me over. It was everywhere in my life, and it was a disaster. And I, I swear, every time I tried to do the right thing, it felt like there was this little hand that like would reach up and grab the steering wheel and turn it for me and steer me right in the direction of, of what I knew was wrong. Anybody do that or can relate to that? Um, what he's saying is in Christ, that wicked, sinful part of us, our past, our history, our, our part that was dragging us into hell is set apart and is no longer a part of who we are. In Christ, we're freed from it. It's all gone. Um, having been buried with him in baptism, meaning when we're baptized, like part of the symbolism of baptism is that Christ died on the cross 
was buried, and when we're baptized, it's a symbol of us dying to our old life and being buried um, you know, with him, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Meaning if you have faith, right, if you have faith that Christ died for your sins, if you have faith that Jesus is the Lord of all, if you have faith, like, and by the way, faith is faith that makes you take refugees and risk your life saving them, not the faith that makes you not want to stand near them so everybody will see you with a stinky person, right? It's the faith that allows you to stand near people who are sinners and accept people who are different than you. And, like, faith in Christ means it translates into everything you do, right? It's not just I believe. I, I may believe I can fly, but I'm not jumping off of buildings, right? I'm also not singing the song out loud. Um, I can't sing. Um, so, like, what Paul is saying, he's saying, listen, if you have faith, meaning faith as in you believe it, and it changes how you live, this faith, this faith is what saves you. It's what brings you alive when you are dead in your sins. That's what makes you brand new. And so instead of spending all of this time, like, focusing on this false teaching that they're dealing with, Paul goes after it and says, this is who you are. If you have faith in Christ, you're made brand new. You're made alive in Jesus. Um, you're sin, your past, your, your garbage means nothing if you have faith in Christ. Because God has taken it all and thrown it away. When you were dead in transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Think of the worst thing you've ever done. I, I really mean it. The worst thing you've ever done. My list is so long I can't hardly figure out which one's the worst. Right? Think about the things that you lay in bed at night and you can't sleep because it's there. And you know it's there. Or like you'll be going through your day and like suddenly this thing comes up and you're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh. I, I've talked to folks. I talked to a young lady um, when I worked at the children's home, she had she'd been a, a prostitute. She was 16, I think. She'd been a prostitute for several years because she was a drug addict. And we talked, and she said to me, she said, God can never make me clean. This can never go away. Part of that was because she believed she carried that sin with her no matter what. There is no sin. There is no wickedness. There is no yuckiness that is attached to your soul, no filth, no nothing that God doesn't take away just by Jesus, his son, coming and dying on the cross for our sins. If you're sitting here this morning and you think, this is my shame and I carry it, what he's literally saying here is this certificate of debt, meaning this list of sins you've committed, consisting of decrees against us, like this is where you're guilty, um, he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So when Jesus hung on the cross, what God saw was your sin. So he looked down and instead of seeing Jesus on the cross, he saw Adam's bad garbage that he's done nailed to the cross. That's what he saw, you know, and, and, and Ross's, you know, wickedness nailed to the cross. Not Jesus. He saw that. Um, I, I'm going to split this into two sermons was actually what I figured I would end up doing. And so we're, we're not going to do the second half of this where he goes into don't let anybody trick you into living according to rules that don't make sense. I, I want to drive this home. If you are here, if this is the first time you've ever heard it, if you weigh down with sin, if you carry it with you, if you look at believers and you say, I can't trust these people because they're all hypocrites, right? 
know this. Like, we're made clean, like, in our souls. God has taken your sin. He's taken my sin. He's taken our wickedness and nailed it to the cross. And if you have faith, and that's not just, I, you know, the I believe I can fly faith, right? It's faith that changes how you live your life, makes you brand new, sets you off in a new direction. Faith that changes you. Like, if you have faith in Christ, you're forgiven. Period. All of that garbage is thrown away. As far as the east is from the west, so far I have taken you from your sins. It's in uh, Psalms. And then the other one I absolutely love is Isaiah. Though your sins are like scarlet, I have made them white like the snow. Um, This is the truth about you if you have faith in Christ. If you don't know Jesus, like, like, know him. Have faith in him. God sent him to die for you. You don't have to show up to church. Every, well, you, that's a whole <laughs> I want you to be in church every Sunday. Um, but showing up to church every Sunday doesn't make you saved, right? You're not going to get to the pearly gates and St. Peter isn't going to be there. And he's going to be like, oh, you said a swear word one too many times. That's not what's going to happen. He's not going to pile up all your sin and all your good stuff and weigh it out and see which is which, right? Because if he does, you're in trouble. <laughs> and I'm in trouble. What he's going to look at is he's going to look at you. And if you have faith. If you are a person who belongs to Jesus Christ and is saved by his death for us, that's it. That's salvation. And you will come to know God and be made complete. The emptiness in your soul will be filled with the Spirit. Um, we're going to dig into some of the implications of this, but i I, I got to drive it home. I want to, over and over again, I can't say it loud enough. Faith in Christ is what saves you. Faith in Christ is what changes you. You don't try real hard to overcome sin. Jesus invades you and takes you over and makes you new, right? God loves you. God loves you so much he would make that happen through his son. We're going to close in prayer, and and I'm, I don't know, do we have a last song? We're kind of running long anyway. Um, And I'm going to close with a blessing then. Um, I'm not singing, I believe I can fly. (laughs) Although it would clear the room quick. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I could do it to small world. Do you want that? <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, be with us, and I pray that you would touch the hearts and souls of the folks who are sitting here this morning. I pray that you would move us to a place where we would know Christ intimately, where we would know that, that um, you love us so much that you would send your Son uh, to die for us, to, to give us everlasting life, to bring us back into relationship with you. Um, I pray that, that the hearts of those who are here would be strengthened by this um, and, and that folks who don't know you would be moved to, to come to know you, Lord, because this is more important than anything else. Um, in Christ's name I pray, amen. I always close with a challenge, and this will be no different of a week. Um, first off, I challenge you to go and eat spaghetti. Okay, it is a huge challenge accepted. It is, it is a huge deal that we, that we be a part of this and we help this family out, okay? Because, um, is it J- well, we need to do it, okay? <laughs> so eat spaghetti. Um, the second thing my, I'm challenging you to do is I'm challenging you to go home today and look at your heart and look at your soul and look at your life and ask yourself first, do I really believe I'm clean? Do I really know Jesus? And am I living like I'm a person who's free in Christ? Um, and so stand up and we'll, we'll close with a blessing. Arise. And we, I feel weird saying that. Um, may the God of peace, may the God who loves you so much 
that he would do anything to free you. May the God who created you, the world, and every element, every wind, every rain, every everything, may that God bring you comfort and bring you wholeness and bring you healing. Amen.